This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Welcome back to Hey Bartender Podcast. I'm your bartender for the evening. You, uh, you all can call me Anthony or you can call me the Duke. I answer to both. Tonight on this episode of Hey Bartender Podcast, I am happy to say that I have a guest on. He is from Scottsdale, Arizona, bartender at the Carlsbad Tavern and manager of the Facebook page, The Fraternal Order of Bartenders. I'd like everybody to welcome to the show, Mr. Kenny Stewart. Kenny, how are you doing? I am fantastic. How are you doing, young man? I'm doing just fine. Uh, it's uh, an honor to have you on this. I've been following the Paternal Order of Bartenders uh, Facebook page for a very long time. And uh, honest uh, honest to God, doing this podcast, I read all the posts that all of your followers put up there. And it, it jogs my memory at, uh, a lot on things that used to happen to me. Uh, so I'm able to bring stories to this podcast. So thank you very much for starting this group. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, one of the first things I remember when I started, it was like, well, you know, hell, you get off work, and if, unless you if you go home, you know, you really can't talk to your significant other because unless they're bartenders or servers, they really don't get it. And it's, so it's like you you have you get off on a bad shift or whatever, or there's something you want to vent about, just go in the group, you know, let it loose and get a little catharsis and you know, get on with the rest of your day. And then all of a sudden you see that, you know, there's 27,000 other people that also have the same kind of night. And you don't feel so alone anymore. Right. So what a friend of mine was telling me is like, he's like, he's like, yeah, he's, he's God, God, you go in there and you, you post something and all of a sudden you get 85 people that comment, Oh, this happened to me. And he's like, Oh my God, I'm not the only person to deal with this shit every day. It's fantastic. Exactly. So yeah. it kind of like, it gives you a little bit of uh perspective on things but anyway yeah it's uh kind of the same reason why i started this podcast which because so other bartenders can hear other bartenders story like i uh like i was telling you uh right before we started the show i like to start uh every show with a drink special and if you don't mind if there's a drink that you like particularly like to make or something you wouldn't mind sharing with everybody please can you give us our drink special for today as far as drink specials i mean i I, I, I always looked at drinks like I looked at making food. I didn't want to make something that everybody else was making. I didn't want to make like an old-fashioned. So, you know, anybody can make an old-fashioned. Just follow the recipe. It was always to try to find something a little bit different. Mm. Something you're not going to find anywhere else. So, uh, one one year I was working at an re- Italian restaurant on Long Island. And we were screwing around one night making drinks. And I was like, you know what we need? I was like, we need a good dessert martini. And, of course, it was always, you know, the chocolate martini, which is the, the, the go-to for anybody when they want something sweet. And I was like, no, it's boring. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, and I was like, you know what? I, was like, and I, I love tiramisu. Tiramisu is one of my favorite desserts, I think, of all time, which is weird because I hate coffee. Yeah. But I love tiramisu. So, we started uh, fooling around with uh, with ingredients. And, honestly, if you, if you, if you look at an, a recipe list for a tiramisu, it's basically the same ingredients, just converted into liquor. You got amaretto, a little coffee liqueur, you, you use your vanilla for uh, your vanilla liqueur, vanilla vodka, whatever you want to use <clears throat> a little bit of half and half, um, some Bailey's and Godiva dark, Godiva light, mix it up. And then I would try to garnish it with a lady finger, which really didn't work because they're crunchy and they break apart. But, 
Yeah. You know, I'll be damned if I'm not going to make it work. A little cocoa <laughs> dust on top. And, uh, I mean, it, it, when we got done with it, it tasted just like a tiramisu. And I actually tried looking up a recipe for it, and I couldn't find it. I was like, oh, my God, I might be the first person in the history of mankind to come up with this. All right. we got I doubt it. Okay, uh, we got that on recording right now, so the, that drink is officially okay. yours. So- <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we can call it Kenny Stewart's tin- uh, tiramisu. So, so- hey, whatever works. <laughs> we'll come up with something flashy. Yeah, can you copyright a drink? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I, now, well, I, 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 I think if I owned a liquor company that, I, like if I was, you know, coming up with some kind of a, a mule or something and it was, you know, with X, X, X liquor because I was a company that owned it, then maybe. Right. But I, I, I don't think, I, I, I've, I've seen people, hey, can I copyright a drink? No, you can't. Why? <laughs> you think the, well you think you think the guy who came with the sex on the beach drink first is like is like living on the island somewhere hey guess, guess what i did i invented a drink no <laughs> and plus everybody also tries to add their own little spin to every drink uh, i've always told people there's 50 different drinks made 50 different ways named 50 different things you know, one one person's exactly. sex on the this beach the, might be something completely different ex- Exactly. Look, look up sex on the beach. Look up the drink recipes. Like, I think there's like six, 10, 47 different versions of it. Yeah. <laughs> They're all different colors. They're all different. It's like, honestly, it's like whatever the bartender wanted to make at that minute. I'm pretty sure that if he asked me to make a sex on the beach, I'm going to make one that's not any of the ones that are listed in the book. I just go like, oh, I don't know. That, that, that sounds tropical. This sounds like something you'd have at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> or something you'd want to drink while you were screwing at the beach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, uh, every, every, every bartender makes a drink their own. Usually it's kind of, kind of the, the joy of it. I mean, yeah, you can sit there and follow the Mr. Boston's recipe for, like I said, for an old fashioned, but at the end of the day, you're just doing the same thing anybody else does. You know, it's always that, that little twist that you give it, that, that, that little flair that makes it your own, that kind of everybody's like, oh, well, I like his. Right. Exactly. But you always get a lot of bartenders that are like, you know, one bartender makes a margarita some way that certain people like, and you know, that or a Bloody Mary or whatever drink it is. So, oh, and yeah. it's like, it's like I, I, I could sit there and, and, or you can, and I honestly, I could sit there and tell somebody how to make a drink. And, and for some reason, it's just, there's always a certain flair that a certain person gives something that makes it different than somebody else trying to copy the exact same thing. Sure. Like Bloody Marys are almost a fingerprint for every bartender. Uh, no Bloody Mary is the same. Oh hell no! Yeah, I mean, and unless you're using a mix, I mean, you're, I mean, you're, if you're making them from scratch every time, I mean, they're always going to be a little bit different. So, but yeah, every every bartender's got their own version of Bloody Mary. What they want to put into it, they put this pepper, that pepper, they put this salt around the rim, or and this liqueur. Or, hell, I think once we put Frangelico into it, because it kind of took a little bit of the bite out of it. I no mean, kidding. We were just kind of screwing around with different different ways to do it. Yeah, I was uh, on it. It was it was for a, it was for a clamato uh competition we had to make bloody marys using clamato this was way back when yeah i want to say 25 years ago but um yeah so we were just one day we were just sitting there okay we got to make something different than the than the standard bloody mary and we just like it was like a little drizzle of frangelico and everybody looked at me like are you fucking crazy (laughs) and i was like well why not and we and with everything else that was in the drink it worked oh really so it gave a kind of a, yeah. So and 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 people would when I, when I was working, they wanted Bloody Mary. So I was like, great, I got to make this from scratch. You realize that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-seven times. Well, it gives Frangelico a chance to be used because well, during my time as a bartender, I I rarely use that bottle. But 
it's not, it's, it's not one of those things you use all that often. It's uh, and, if, and if you do, you're using like a drizzle of it because it's got, it is very overpowering. So yeah, it's, it's, it's everything's if you use too much of it, everything's going to taste like friggin' uh, hazelnut. Yeah, exactly. So how so, long exactly um, have you been a bartender? Since 1991. What year is this now? Uh, two, 2020. Yeah. Uh, so so like 47 years. I'm kidding. No, <laughs> what is it, 20, 28 years. 28 years. It was at the end of 91 when I, yeah, I was, I was out of work and uh, the girl I knew was a bartender at a bar called DJ's of Scottsdale. And she was like, Hey, uh, do you want to be a cook or do you know how to cook? And I was like, well, yeah. So they gave me a job and I'm like, Hey, you know how to bar back? And I was like, well, what, like stock beer and get ice and shit. That's like a monkey could do that. Yeah. And then I did that and they're like, Hey, you want to learn how to bartend? And I was like, sure. And I was like, how do I do that? They go, can you count to four? <laughs> and I went, yeah. They said, congratulations, you're a bartender. <laughs> exactly. That was yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. They're like, here, hold the bottle. Here, 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 turn the bottle upside down and go one, two, three, four. Congratulations. There's your training. Yeah. Like, oh, perfect. <laughs> and yeah, so I started, started out in a dive bar and, you know, gradually went here to there and get experience and the way you should do it. Well, exactly. Different, 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 different avenues, different styles and. So you you know, basically... Some you like, some you don't. I mean, yeah, I could, I, I, I could do fine dining if I wanted to, but my personality doesn't really lend itself to, hi, how are you? Welcome to whatever. I usually let my personality come out, so I'm more of a dive bar or a local kind of bartender. Well, dive bars and local bar, uh, bars, you can, it's more relaxed. I mean, you can, uh, you yeah, have a chance exactly. to be yourself. You can be, you can be yourself more. Again. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and hey, some people, they thrive in fine dining more power to you i just i i never did the fine dining myself i uh stayed in the local bars and was always very comfortable that way you basically yeah i mean and like and like i said uh, like you, you try to get experience everywhere and you always try to bring something you know no matter how bad a place sucks that you work you always try to take something away from it even if it's something like how not to do something right <laughs> <laughs> so, so i mean and yeah so it's like people that you're like oh i've only worked in one place or i only worked in these kind of places well you don't really and then and then they'll sit there and listen. You'll you'll hear stories from somebody else, and they tr- and they don't understand where that bartender's coming from, which happens in this group a lot, the fraternal order of bartenders, because someone will relate a story from where they were working, and they could be a bartender in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin, and you get bartenders in New York that just don't understand. You know, so how could you do that? How could you do this? It's like you don't understand. You don't understand the. the the bar they work in, you don't understand the community they live in. You don't understand the people that they deal with for them. That's normal. Or for them, this is the way things are done. But some of the bartenders are like, Oh, that, you know, that, that's not the way it's supposed to be. No, that's you're, you're wrong. Yeah. It's like a personal trainer telling you there's only one way to lift. It's like, no, that's that there's just a hundred different ways to do something. This, and, uh, there's, and there's so many different experiences you can have. And something, and, and a lot of people just don't embrace that in this business and at it. And I mean, a lot of people do, but you get a lot of people that don't. And I just, and I've never understood that. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's fun on your, uh, on the fraternal order of bartenders page to see things like, well, just recently I saw a post on there where somebody messed up the till. They put their, the $5 bills on the opposite side of the till from the ones. And everybody was automatically relating to that saying, you know, they're, it's like the bartender's OCD across the world just all of a sudden kick in. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because 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 if you're if you're a bartender, you have to be a little OCD. I mean, you have to. I mean, you always have to have things in a certain place because we work for muscle memory. Right. I mean, when you're when you're busy, you're 
you're grabbing for where you know the vodka bottle is supposed to be. And if somebody came in and moved all your bottles around on you, you're yelling, God, son of a bitch, where the fuck are you going to get this? <laughs> it's like, it's like we have, I've, I've got um, one bartender who's kind of new in uh, certain bottles and in other, other places. And I'm looking for things going, where the where the fuck is a Tullamore do? Why the hell? And then all of a sudden, it's like on the other side of the bar. I'm, I'm like, Jesus H. Christ on a popsicle stick. <laughs> So yeah, so because when you're so yeah, so when you're I mean you're trying to work fast, you're working, and you're so yeah. There's there's a little bit of OCD in our job. Yeah. Because if you can, I mean, if you if you're just like putting things help the scalp there, you're gonna fall apart in about five minutes if you're busy. Right. And uh, losing your Jack Daniels bottle can ruin an entire night. <laughs> it's it's amazing. <laughs> or you can get that one that that that, that one twelve top ticket that's like twelve different drinks and they all have to be in different tins and it's like it's like oh my god. <laughs> We've all, we've all had that. We've all, we, we've all had the table from hell or the ticket from hell that it's like, like everything's going along great. You know, you're going down the road about a hundred miles an hour the radio's going. And all of a sudden like, a, 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 you know, something runs out in front of the car and you just slam on the brakes and the car goes sideways. And that's that one ticket. Right. And it's like, <laughs> you just, and you look and you go, it was like, what did they do? Just say, Hey, what are you going to get? I'll get something different. I mean, did, did any two people <laughs> think about ordering the same drink? I mean, my God, <laughs> And of course they're all, and then of course they're all customized because you know, know this, like that, the half salt, oh Jesus, H Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you get that night and then you spend 45 minutes trying to pull yourself out of it because while, while you were doing that one ticket, seven, eight, seven more tickets came off, six more people sat at the bar and it's like, hey, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and but... you just, then you just buckle it and you just buckle down, you just get through it. And at the end of the, you know, when it's all over, you go in the back and bang your head against the wall for about two or three times and you're good. Yeah, but you gotta. Sometimes you gotta hope that your server, uh, when they served that table that had all distinctly different drinks, they all of a sudden didn't say, "We all want separate checks." Oh, I, 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 I <laughs> get separate checks. <laughs> well, see, like when I like when I've like I've I've been a server because it's easier to get a job in anywhere as a server than it is as a bartender. It, yeah, any restaurant's got they got three bartenders and. 17 servers odds are you'd be able to get a server position easier and then work your way into the bar um shit what were we just talking about uh separate i started tickets. going off and then uh servers and oh separate, separate tickets, tickets. Yeah. so oh yeah so um so like so when i learned so when i started waiting tables i always i had that a lot of bartenders hate waiting tables we always like to have that two feet of wood or copper or whatever the hell our bars made up between us and everybody else. Yeah. When you get to a table, all of a sudden it's amazing how everybody's personality just kind of goes out the window. They don't know what to do. Right. But I learned, I learned how to serve basically to survive sometimes. And I always kept everything separate. I always kept everybody by seat numbers because if I had to go back, if I screwed something up, I had to go back. I, it was easier for me to go look at it. If I had it separated out, I see a lot of servers. They'll, they'll put like, everything's like jumbled up together. And when they have to separate a check, it takes them 10 minutes. Right. It's like you should have had it. You should have had it written down that way from the beginning. Because I mean, it's just it's it's, it, it's so many different problems can be solved. Not even just the separate check thing. Right. But yeah, I never had a problem with separate checks. But when I, I've seen people do that, and it's like, and there's like 18 different books, <laughs> and they're trying to close them all out, and and it's taking them, and it's taking them 20 minutes, and they're borrowing pens from everybody else because <laughs> they, they didn't they didn't come with eight they didn't come with 18 pens. You didn't think you were going to need 18 pens coming in, but here's that 18 top. It all wanted separate checks. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, can I borrow some pens? I need to borrow like eight pens. And they're, Jesus. <laughs> well, let me go to the lottery till or whatever. You know? 
Exactly. I think like, if you go on uh, Amazon, they sell bags of uh, misprinted pens. Looking about <laughs> doing that, just getting like get, buying like five bags of them and just leave them around the restaurants, just so I know that they're always there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you started out as a bartender, you were kind of just thrown into the fire. More or less, yeah. Like I like I said, I started out as a cook, and then they were like, "You want to learn how to bar back?" And I was like, "Well, that's pretty easy." And then like you know, you know, can you count to four? Congratulations, you're a bartender. And then yeah, and then like. Every place I went was a little bit different than the last place. Right. Like the first place I went to from DJ's was a Mexican restaurant. And then I went to a resort and then it was more kind of, you know, just whatever was available at the time, but also because I wanted the experience. I wanted the experience of the higher end liquors from that. I wasn't going to get at DJ's when I worked at the Phoenician resort. And then, you know, you get all the different experience from different, different styles, different modes of management you learn what works what doesn't so you've been a bartender so, for a long i was a, long you've been a bartender for yeah, a long I've time been, uh how many places have you been 28 years uh too many to count i've lived i mean i've, I've uh, estimate there, i mean there, estimate 37 that's a lot of places to bartend i uh and you've tried all oh different- yeah i mean it was about uh, plus, I've, I mean, I've, in, in addition to being here in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, I also, 2002, I moved back to New York for four years. So I was working there in a few places, and then I moved back to Scottsdale, and then back to North, and I'm not back to North Carolina, to North Carolina for four more years, because, you know, sometimes people make bad decisions. And then uh, <laughs> I moved back, but, and there were a few places I moved, I, I worked there also. And, I, you know, and, and, and this business, a lot of places don't survive. Right. I mean, the, the the usual the usual attrition rate for restaurants is fifty percent after two years and ninety percent after five. It, 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 a lot of times, people are bouncing from job to job simply because places close or right. because of business downturns. I've had a lot of places that I don't that I I was working at that I stopped working at because either business was taking a dump or the place closed or for whatever reason you you know either it was a partner that stole the money or you know landlords or whatever, but. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, there was there were some places I worked at for three or four months. Yeah, and I was like, you know what, I just can't. Oh, there was one place. It was a it was an it was an Irish bar. Worked there for a few months, but the owners the owners were so incredibly um, tight with inventory that yeah. you didn't have any lee- like there, you had you had no comp tab, you had no leeway to do anything for anybody. Right, and if you were if you, if you overpoured by three three ounces of Guinness, like all the drafts were hooked up to a computer system that were hooked to the POS, so they tell you they ran a report at four o'clock of how much beer you poured and how much beer was sold, and oh dear it God, was, it was like you know this isn't the it was like this isn't the bar business. Yeah. It was like I get the I, I get the I, I get the, the business aspect of it, and you have to make money, but it's also a people business, and if you're just sitting there looking at everybody as numbers. And and I, I, it's just not, it's not the way I want to be a bartender. Right. Uh, I want to be able to buy some, I want to be able to buy somebody a drink. I mean, like where I work now, I have a comp tab. If I want to buy somebody a drink, I buy them a drink. Right. Uh, and you were probably just as pissed off when bubble, uh, as I was when bubble pourers came on the scene. Oh, Jesus. I just smashed <laughs> those things off. The first time, the first, the first, the first time I saw one of those was while I was working at the Phoenician resort and the bartender who trained me, I'd never seen him before. Mm. And the bartender who trained me, he opened up and he got a brand, we had a brand new pack of them. He's like, you ever see these? I was like, no, he's like, they they measure the, 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 the shot out. 
and they usually work like three times and then they stop right for whatever reason you they met either the ball never drops or the ball drops after like a quarter of a second you're sitting there you're, you're then you're basically free pouring anyway right um and he's he's like here here's what here, here's how here's here's what you do with these and he took the pour sprout and he put it on the bar and he smacked the the ball and the and the ball broke right out that whole little tube <laughs> thing that the ball sits in yeah broke right out and it, then it was just a regular pour sprout he was that's what you do with them <laughs> i was like gotcha <laughs> Yeah, but when bubble and pour... and I, and every, I think every every time I've used them, I've always, I've always ended up doing that. It's like, God, it's like you know, I I appreciate that you want to keep the inventory under control, but this is just stupid. Right. Uh, when bubble pours first came into a bar that I was working at, I, I was like, "What is this?" And, oh, it pours the perfect shot. Watch, and then they hold the bottle down, and it uh, completely missed. I mean, the it it just yeah. boiled over basically, and I was just like, "Well, I'm going to hate those, aren't I?" But they were convinced. <laughs> That, you know, because uh, there were nights where I took all of them off and put the regular pours back on. And they came, I forgot to put them back, put the bubble pours back at the end of my shift. And then they came come in the next morning uh-huh. and see that all the bubble pours are off. And why did you take them off? And I said, they don't work. And they're like, if you clean them right, then they no. will work. And, you know, and they don't because the, the, alcohol, the, the, the sugars and the alcohol gum up the little the, the, the mechanics inside. They work when they come out of the package. Right. That's it. And so like I said, like three or four times, and all of a sudden, either, then the, either the ball drops immediately, so you're sitting there going back and forth, ching, 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 trying to get a shot out of it. You look like a monkey, <laughs> or the thing doesn't stop, and then you end up not. And then now, by the time you realize it has to stop, you're over poured, and 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 you paid how much? How many times more for that pour spout than you pay for a regular pour spout? Right, uh, regular pour spout. You know, ninety nine cents a piece, maybe. And, have, and <laughs> yeah, exactly, and. It, yeah, and just have it's not that it's not that hard just to train and have responsible bartenders. Right. Well, then again, maybe it is. I don't know. I've worked with a lot of people, and I didn't think it was all that hard. But yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, yeah, our, definitely uh, those bubble pours didn't work on Bailey's, at least not for long, and because it was just oh, too thick. Oh no. And, oh yeah, Bailey's. Any 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 anything in a freezer, Jaeger, Goldschlager, never worked on that. Right. But. Uh, well, luckily, uh, towards the end of my bartending career, the uh, bar I worked at, they'd gotten those machines, the Jaeger machines, uh, so I didn't really have to worry about that for Jaeger or anything like that. But when it came to the uh, uh-huh. the the the, uh, the bottom shelf rail, they were like, "Use the bubble pourers," and I no. <laughs> so, um, well, let's just uh, take a minute here to talk about Carlsbad Tavern. How long you worked there? A little over three years. And now I was a kitchen, I was a kitchen manager at a bar before that. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, keep, keep keeping my experience varied and uh, exciting. Yeah. So, uh, you just, you went from kitchen manager at another restaurant and then you managed to get a bartending job at new restaurant. Yeah. I just, I, I, I was a little sick of people for a while and being a kitchen manager was going to be easy because all I had to deal with was the people in the kitchen. I didn't have to deal with guests really. Yeah. Like, so it was, it was kind of like, it was like a vacation from the front of the house. Sure, sure. And it was it, it it was fine for a while, and then I remembered, you know, back of house money sucks. So, um, I was like, you know what? I really I, I don't want to do this anymore. So then I went back to the beautiful world of bartending, uh, Carlsbad. It's a New Mexican restaurant. It's kind of it's a it's a New Mexican restaurant, but the bar is open till two. We do late night food, uh, in service industry discounts and contests and things like that. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a local place. Very cool. Yeah. It would be like, it would be like a, like, like a, like a, like a, like a neighborhood restaurant bar thing. It's a little bit different. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a Mexican restaurant. You're not going to walk in and see everything you see on a usual Mexican restaurant menu. It's things are a little bit, a little bit varied, a little bit different, a little bit. Um, the drink menu, nothing's really that complicated, which is nice. I'm not mm-hmm. sitting there muddling shit for 20 minutes for a drink. Uh, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, it, 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 it makes it, it makes it easy when you're, when, when you're busy, because there are nights where I will, you, you will be, you know, two, three deep at the bar. And so it's, it, it always helps to not have a drink list that looks like it was made by somebody, some very sadistic person. Right. So would you agree that, uh, once a bartender finds a home that they're comfortable at there, they have a, strong tendency just to stay there. That's why uh, being a bartender or finding a, finding a job as a bartender is difficult sometimes. Definitely. I mean, there, there are some restaurants I know the bartenders have been there for 10, 15, 20 years. I and mean, if you have to kill somebody, it, it, it's, it's like they, they leave the job to their kids and their wills <laughs> because, uh, yeah, no, they, they're, if it's a good, pl- if it's a good place, I mean, it depends on the owner a lot of times and the clientele and you, you just some places just will never have that kind of they'll, they'll always have turnover uh the place i worked for a long time was um very uh very low turnover not that there's a whole lot of turnover now but it used to be like zero right but um so people were there they were there they were there for years so uh yeah if the bartender finds a place that they're happy that they're making money and the clientele is good then it's almost really not like bartending Right. It's really not like working. It's like going. It's like it's like going to a party every day, except you have to stay there for eight hours and you can't drink. Right. Um, that that used to be a common thing where I'd be at the grocery store uh, near the bar that I work at, and uh, somebody would come up, to, "Hey, we're going to party this weekend, right?" And I said, "No, you're going to party. I'm going to be serving drinks." <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I'm going to be the guy walking out of the bar smelling like alcohol and didn't have a drop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. You you've brought up a couple times uh, something that uh, uh, I've witnessed before. You you mentioned that sometimes uh, bars don't last because uh, of various reasons. Now, uh, one of the reasons why one of the bars that I worked at didn't last is because for some strange reason, completely out of the blue, the manager decided to change things because we were just a regular bar served uh, regular food. You know, nothing too fancy or ethnic and we had four pool tables but then all of a sudden she woke up one morning and decided that she wanted to turn the place into a live music bar a local bar in a town Mm -hmm. way far away from a major city and when those pool tables left a lot of our customers left i mean um going from like fifteen hundred dollars in sales and nights uh to like three and uh so (laughs) Uh, have you witnessed things like that? Uh, yes, I've seen where managers come in, and because they, they, a lot of managers when they get a job, they feel like they ha- they're supposed to do something when they get there. Right. Like they can't just walk in and say, "Oh, how, they they can't get the lay of the land and see how things work and just go from there." They got to walk in and they got to they got to swing their dick around and show everybody that they know what they're doing better than the last time. Right. And I've seen, and and I, and I have seen a few bars that they you know, they change the menu, they change the, they change the atmosphere, change the music, whatever. And everybody that was going there now stops going because they were going there for that. Right. So now you basically have, you, you you might as well just close the bar, remodeled it, and then opened a few months later. 
Right, change the and name, and then done a grand opening, and then try to then, then try to get a whole new clientele because your your fight because what you are is everybody that didn't go there didn't go there because they didn't want to be in the place that you were in, but they're you know it's it's really hard to get a client to, to to rebuild your business once that happens. Right, because you're fighting you're fighting your old image, trying to build a new one, especially when there was if there was nothing wrong with the old image in the first place, just somebody decided they were going to you know make their mark on the world. Yeah, all managers in any job I've ever had. I mean, uh, and I've had a lot of goofy jobs. The when you get a new manager, new leader, something like that, they automatically say, "I, you know, I'm I've come here to clean things up." And it's, uh, well, how do you know things are dirty? You know, you know, things might be running just fine. Well, you know, if if things were running fine, they wouldn't have needed me. So here I come to save the day. It's like, no, dickhead. This place has been here for twenty years before you got here. Yeah. It, you know, we had 70, there've been 75 friggin' managers, 3000 servers, a few hundred, a couple of dozen bartenders. Yeah. They come and go. The business has been here. Trust me. It'll be here after you leave. Nobody, you don't need to change anything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, in my case, uh, when, when you try to uh, be nice about the uh, same thing, no, everything's working just fine. And then all of a sudden I became the first thing that they had to change. Yeah. So uh, a little bit more about uh, Carlsbad uh, Tavern. Um, Tell me about the clientele you get. Uh, you have there. Your tell me about your customers. Um, let's say, I mean, yeah, as far as a demographic, you get, it's they're all over the place. You get lawyers. You get guys that clean pools for a living. You get like a private investigator and you know bankers and bullshit artists and it's a it's it, it's a pretty broad spectrum of people. It's not like you it's not like you're going to see all of one one type of person when you walk in that place. You can go in there any time of day and the clientele will be different. You can have, you know, older people there for lunch and then you have a younger crowd for happy hour. And then dinner is, uh, mostly people in their thirties, forties, uh, some families. And then late night is, uh, you'll get a lot of kids because we do, like I said, we do a lot of industry stuff. So we do industry discounts and things like that. So you'll get a lot of servers and bartenders that come in late night. So the clientele is always different. It's not, the same thing for eight hours, which again is kind of nice. Right, it does break it up a little bit. No, so I, I I I look at my shift in a, like every two hours because every two hours it seems to change a little bit. Now I used to like industry nights uh, because uh, bartenders and servers we all tip the shit out of each other, basically. Uh, but I kind of noticed yeah. after a while, like uh, uh, like my, the bartender that I used to work with, she and I would say, well. These two uh, from Red Robin come and visit us all the time. Let's go visit them. And we tip the shit out of them when we go visit them. But then we kind of sat back and realized uh, when it comes to tipping between bartenders and servers, the money just kind of circulates. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't stay with one person. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a, it's like, it's like you, you'll, you'll, get, you'll make the same dollars for all times because I, I, I make it and I go over here and I give it to them when I have lunch and then they come in and they give it to me and, but it's just like, yeah, I, I make, let's say I make $50,000 a year or whatever, but how much of that is, you know, money that I give to the bartenders that they just basically just gave back to me. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm not really sure. It's like, how much do you make? I was like, I have no fucking idea. Right. Like, oh, keep track. I was like, yeah, but I still don't know how, how much I fucking make. Cause I mean, part of, part of my income, I, I count every week is as PR is, you know, another nice way of saying I'm going out drinking, yeah. but, um, yeah, so I'll go out and, you know, spread the word, throw, throw a few, uh, two for one drink cards out and then, you know, tip like a maniac. Now I wake up in the morning and go, Jesus Christ. 
Now, How much I, money did I spend last night? Yeah, exactly. Um, now, I checked out your personal Facebook page and saw your two-for-one drink card. And uh, I laughed my ass off because it was basic. You looked like you took a lot of time and care to draw this out on a bar napkin. And it, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> it, it, it took me, it took me like 45 seconds. I already had the idea in my head. Um, I, yeah, I just wrote it out real quick. I haven't, I, I've been so busy between work and taking care of the group and other shit lately that I haven't had a chance to go out. And what I used to do is I used to, you know, take my nights off. I go out and, have a few and enjoy myself and then throw, throw a bunch of cards around and they'd all come back to me. Well, I haven't been able to do that. Yeah. So I was like, screw it. I'm making a virtual card. So I just posted on Facebook. I was like, here, just show me the card. Just show me this. When you come in, you get two for one drinks. <laughs> so I could go over to your page Don't right now, uh, print that out. And if I end up in Scottsdale, Arizona, I can uh, throw that at you and you'd accept it. <laughs> uh, you probably wouldn't need that, but you want, you want, you want, you want to do that. Go for it. <laughs> You are, I'll, I'll give I'll give you the two for anyway. <laughs> just wear my just make sure I wear my Hey Bartender podcast T-shirt. <laughs> exactly. So your good nights and bad nights. Uh, do you have uh, Do you have any nights that uh, really stick out in your mind? Like uh, because all bartenders have a story that uh, that sticks with them. Uh, do you personally have one? Oh, you mean like a, like an interaction with a guest or something like that? I've got a couple. Um, it was 1990. It was, I think it was new year's Eve, 98. It was the Nebraska, Florida national championship game. I believe it was the first national championship. It wasn't the bowls, the BCS yet. Mm. Um, it was Nebraska and Florida and they were playing at Sun Devil stadium, which is in Tempe, Arizona. So, um, we were just North of that and where my bar was at the time that was DJ's it was kind of like the middle of like all the, the, the hubbub in Scottsdale. So and of course everybody was out because they were all here for, it was a new year's and B everybody was here for the game. So we're about three deep at the bar at 11 o'clock at night. And this guy comes up, he's like, uh, like, how you doing? He's like, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here for the Nebraska, Florida game. I went, okay, cool. Go Huskers. <laughs> he's like, I'll take a, a Budweiser and a shot of Rumplemints. Like, okay, fine. Sure. So, grab a beer, grab the shot. Like, it's, uh, I, I think it was like six bucks. Like, it's six dollars. Like, uh, can I get a pen? I'm like, yeah. So I figure he's writing a traveler's check. He starts writing out a, a business check at the bar. I'm like, we don't take checks. He's like, checks for I'm six from bucks? Omaha, Nebraska. I. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, 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 he, he might have been, you know, making it out for an extra buck, you know, maybe for seven. He was going to leave a tip on there, too. I have no idea. All right. We never got to that point. So I, he's like, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. You know, he's like, I own two bars there. He goes, he goes, this check's good. You'll take it. I like, no, I won't. I was like, we don't take checks. I was like, if you got a credit card or I was like, there's an ATM outside. He's like, do you see the number on this check? It's 7,000. It was like check number 7132 or some shit like that. Yeah. He's like, this check is good. Trust me. I was like, dude, I can go to a bank tomorrow and get a check with number 9,000. Like, they ask you what number you want on the check when you open the account. I was like, I can get, I, I get probably something with extra exponents if I want. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't mean anything to me. I was like, we don't take checks. He's like, I'm from Omaha. He goes, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. I said, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I was like, I don't give a shit where you're from. Either give me cash or you're not, or, or a credit card or you're not getting it. He's like, are you fucking serious? I said, yes. He goes, you're, fu- he, what do you say? He goes, he, he goes, you're fucking crazy. I went, 
that's it. You're fucking gone. So I go and I turn the stereo off or turn the the music off in the, in the bar, which is the indication for the bar, for the bouncers to know that there's something going wrong and to get to the bar. Yeah. So Darren, who's the, the head bouncer walks up a rather imposing physical, physical specimen. It's like, what's wrong? I was like, this guy's from Omaha, Nebraska. He's here for the Nebraska, Florida game. He's got to get there right now. <laughs> and so, so Darren starts leading him away from the bar and the guy starts yelling, you're second rate. You're second rate. I said, you're from Omaha, Nebraska. Go back and fuck a cow. And he's tried to go lunging over the bar. The doorman's got him. The entire corner of the bar is rolling. I was like, all right, fucking who's next? He goes, me, and I got cash. I was like, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. I was like, what the hell does that got to do with anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, I co- Customers, when they try to throw their weight around, is you know saying things like, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. What is that supposed to mean to me? <laughs> yeah that, that doesn't that, that means absolutely nothing to me i, I don't care it's, it's six bucks it's like you don't have six dollars of cash on you're gonna write you need to write checks all night long yeah so, yeah were you, were you planning on having another drink yeah were you, were you planning on having another drink after this you're gonna write another check i mean it's, it's like it's like the running the running the credit card for like every drink but worse yeah way worse uh that okay so, yeah that, that, that's one that's one of my more favorite stories i guess that's a great story i mean yeah customers that <laughs> uh write checks for small purchases or uh think that they have some clout just or write because... checks period i mean i don't know i don't know any i don't know any restaurant or bar that takes checks i mean as a like as a rule i mean they may take checks from like certain regulars yeah like we used to take checks from certain people because we knew them and we knew where they lived and they were in every day you don't just take a check from some rando off the street i mean well sure are you insane well uh when i used to bartend in oregon the uh like you said we would take checks once in a while from uh regular customers but only certain regular customers because uh the ones that uh played video poker there is absolutely no way in hell i would take their uh take their personal check because it was going to bounce and it because of their because <laughs> of their gambling problem yeah but um uh, yeah, that's that's an awesome story. Now, uh, a little bit about uh, a little bit about yourself here. I, was, I, was, no, I had a, one other story to the you know the the, the 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 big spender that you know he he walks up. He's like, hey, uh, I'll take a fat tire, and then you know let me get let me get these two girls whatever they want. These and girls again, know who. Yeah, the... it's like eleven o'clock at night. I'm two or three deep at the bar. The, the, the place is going nuts. These girls the know girls, who this guy like, was. What do you have? And, no, I had no idea who he was. Okay, just, you know, he's just one of these. One of these guys is going to walk up. He's going to. He's going to. You know, impress him. So he's like, "Yeah, let me get these girls. You know, let me get them a shot or whatever they want." And I was like, "What do you want, girls?" And the one girl looks up and she, uh, she's kind of like thinking. I was like, "I was like, we close in three hours. You got to make up your mind." <laughs> so she says, she giggles. She's like, "She's like, we'll take two sniff dicks." I was like, "Okay, fine. Butterscotch schnapps and Bailey's. Pretty easy." Yeah. So I pour the two shots for him. I put them down. I tell the guy, "I was like, I was like, it's eleven dollars total." He goes, eleven bucks." And he points to the points to the shot at the girl who was next to him, and goes, "What the hell is that?" I was like, "It's a stiff dick. It's a shot you wanted to buy them. They're four bucks each." He goes, "I'm not paying for that." I was like, "Oh." <laughs> so, I took, so I took the two shots. Took the two shots. I put them back in the cooler. I was like, "It's three dollars for the beer." He goes, three dollars for that beer? You got to cut me a break." I was like, "Dude, I am not Monty Hall. This is not not let's make a fucking deal. I am not wearing a chicken suit. You give me three dollars for that fucking beer, or that goes in the goddamn pool, and you ain't getting shit." <laughs> so he gave me the three dollars for the beer. I got two other bartenders standing behind me watching this. Go, I, I, I've never heard anybody talk to anybody like that before in my life. I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm not dealing with this shit. Yeah, uh, I, 
yeah, people that expected a uh, a deal because they buy multiple drinks or you know they just disagree with the price. Uh, yeah, try again. Right. Yeah. Like I know I, I I when I go when I go out I don't know if, if it's because I've been in the business so long or whatever, but I, I mean I never expect anything for free when I go out. I expect to have everything on my bill. I'm shocked when something isn't on the bill. I'm surprised and happy about it. Yeah. And of course, whoever was waiting on me gets to profit from that. But I mean, I've never like walked like I've never walked into a place and expected that I was going to get shit. You know, half of my stuff bought me just because I was a bartender, or because I worked here, or because I worked there, or I knew that person. Yeah. And yeah. I and I and I don't I don't see that an awful lot, but I do get that sometimes. You get people that come in and they think that you're going to cut them a deal. It's like, look, I got I'm the the reason I've been here for three years. The reason I haven't got fired yet partially is because my poor costs are right because I don't give shit away. Mm. I'm not one of those bartenders. I mean, I, I wish I, I wish I could be one of those bartenders who just give the house away every night. And my and my boss didn't care, but that's not the way it is. Right. We need to make money. That's we need to the pay the bills. Works. Keep the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's two really awesome stories uh, and uh, very relatable. Uh, just because we've, I'm sure every bartender that we've listens to this, yeah, listens to this show, we've all run into similar. Uh, the, the one, the like one, that. the one customer that wanted to write a check, or the <laughs> one guy that wanted that, that wanted to pick up somebody's tab, and you know, then argued about what was on it, and was like, "You were the one that wanted to pick up the tab, shithead." Yeah, and you know, buy, <laughs> buying two random girls a drink, you know, saying just whatever they want, that may have gave gave him maybe another five percent chance of get, uh, at least getting to know their names, but then all of a sudden freaking out about the cost. That uh, yeah, he was. I never... know about about eleven dollars. I mean. It, I mean, it's like, it's like, dude, it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a way, great, uh, really fast way to un- unimpress a girl. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. That'll, that'll, that, that, that'll, that, that'll dry your panties up really quickly. Buddy. <laughs> sit, sit, sit there and bitch about the $4 shot. You didn't want to buy it because it was too expensive. Right. No amount of Jaeger right. can save you there. Nice, <laughs> nice job, sport. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, here's, here, here's, here's another endless supply of not getting laid tonight for you with your, with, with that beer you just had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. A little bit more about, uh, about yourself. Um, now, uh, your personality behind the bar. Now, when I used to be a bartender, uh, my customers, it took them a while to realize that I don't know shit about sports. So, you know, every once in a while they sit back and assume that, <laughs> Uh, the bartender knows sports, knows statistics, scores, and all that shit. And I mm-hmm. just sit there and, you know, kind of like smile. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's it. Okay. And uh, after a while, I started learning the key phrases, you know, uh, uh, to get out of a conversation or, you know, to uh-huh. make the customer happy. <laughs> But they eventually realized that sports isn't my thing. And when they started talking to me about pop culture things like music, movies, TV shows, they couldn't get me to shut up. Now, um, now your personality behind the bar. Now, now, what do you like? What, uh, you know, what do you tend to uh, be like when you're behind the bar? Um, a little, I, I, I want to say irreverent, but um, I don't. I, I, anybody who's anybody who's looked in the group and who's read anything that I've written already in my posts, that's pretty much the way I am behind the bar. I say fuck a little bit less than I do <laughs> in the posts, uh-huh. but a little bit less. But I'm I like when I grew up. I grew up as a kid. I was watching Cheers a lot, and I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons I became a bartender. It was because I watched I, during my formative years. Cheers was really popular, so sure. I watched that like every Thursday night, and I want I wanted to be just like. 
the guys in the bar. I want, you know, and so I, I have that kind of Don Rickles ish, almost kind of personality, you know, that, that kind of like sniping back and forth at each other, throwing barbs and things like that. Sure. Sure. So that's kind of the way, that's kind of the way I am when I work. And there's, there are some people that they call it the show. Oh Christ. Here, here comes the show. You know, because I, I, I go back there and I'm and I'm and I'll be listening to somebody's conversation and, you know, say something to, you know, that, that just kind of throws them off and or whatever it is. But it just it I my personality does come out. Yeah. When I work. But like I said, that's why I can't do fine dining, because I can't be behind the bar. Hey, fuck face. What's up? You know, that, <laughs> that, 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 would, that would go over exactly once. Right. And then, yeah. It's, it's, but, I- but, but, but like in a place where I work at certain times of day. I can get away with saying something like that, or as long as it's not a four-year-old sitting next to somebody. Right. But um, yeah, I when when I'm behind the bar, my personality pretty much comes out. Um, get me talking about cars or music, or and I, I, I like you, I just won't shut the fuck up. Right. I do know sports. I, I I know sports, but I don't get to watch a lot of it. Even though I have four televisions that are on four different sports channels for eight hours a day when I'm behind the bar. Yeah just because I'm, I don't have time to sit there and look up. So I, I try to catch scores and little blurbs and things like that. And that's pretty much the sports knowledge I have these days. But I mean, I can carry on a conversation, but if you get me talking about music, I just, I'll just start going crazy. Sure. It's like, Oh my God, you actually know what you're talking about. I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, I used to warn my customers. If you ask me anything about the Beatles, be prepared for at least a half hour long lecture. And <laughs> And, uh, because yeah, they're, I, I, I'm kind of the same way about Pink Floyd, I think, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah everybody, uh, everybody should have that one band that they know too much about. <laughs> uh, yep. uh, yeah, people, uh, people just all of a sudden realized, oh, he doesn't know anything about sports. Uh, and cause a majority of the time in the bar that I worked at, you like you said, my bars would have, uh, different sports channels on all the different TVs. And, but when it got to a certain point in the night, like the third time sports center start over, uh, I'd turn it over yeah. back when they used to play music, uh, MTV or VH one. And, uh, just to break it up. Cause I was tired of hearing the same story over and over from sports center. And, uh, yeah, that used to be more fun for me. Uh, we used to, I used to make, we used to have videos back in the, back in the day. I hate that phrase way back when, <laughs> when I worked at DJs. We had uh, video cassettes that were like movie clips that were spliced to music. So, like you would see, like a movie clip, it would be like the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark when Indiana Jones is running through the cave and the you know, he's got the, the little gold skull and the, the rocks chasing him and everything that. Sure. And then it would play like Run Through the Jungle by CCR in the background. So you would hear the music, but you would see the video for the for the movie. And that was that was a beautiful pacifier for a lot of people because I would put one of those in and they would just sit there for two hours and just watch it and just listen to the music and just watch the videos. Now that sounds it was awesome. fantastic. It was it was, <laughs> it was it was kind of like a baby. It was kind of like a babysitter maneuver. Yeah, like here, just put this on and then just sit there and they're and they're, and they're watching because and or like you put in like eight, like if you had movies in there that were current that people knew, you had like scenes that people like you didn't have to hear the sound of the scene to know what was going on. Yeah, in it, and you you start laughing because you remember a scene from Caddyshack or whatever. It's like, oh shit, you know, remember this happened, yeah. and you're laughing just watching it. You don't have to hear it, but then you have the music going in the background. The music always, I tried to get it at least to be something about what was going on in the movie at the time. Yeah, like the run through the jungle thing, or uh, welcome to the jungle, and you know, have something from Planet of the Apes or something like that. Sure. 
Uh, but meanwhile, you're just standing there <laughs> saying to yourself, Cinderella story coming out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're, and, and you're watching Bill Murray sit there and, and, and whack whatever the hell those flowers were that he was hitting <laughs> with a thing and with, with a three iron, you don't have to hear it. And you're just, and you know what he's saying and you're just laughing your ass off. Sure. So it was always like little things like that. You think, well, things that were familiar that would keep people's eye and keep their attention. Yeah. Now, and uh, then they sit there and go, you know what, man, we'll say, we'll say, we'll say we'll have another beer. Um, now you brought up something that, uh, I, I go off about every now and then, uh, I'm assuming that the bars that you worked at all had jukeboxes. Uh, very few. And thank you for bringing that up because I despise jukeboxes in bars with a passion unrivaled like anything else. Oh, really? I think they're an abomination. So, I think, I, I think, they're, I think they're the worst thing to happen to a bar. Really? And that well, that well, even goes above karaoke. We, <laughs> oh, 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 I don't. Oh, okay, okay. Karaoke doesn't happen from open to close in a bar. Karaoke is certain certain specific times, usually, <laughs> hopefully, unless you work. Unless you work like I worked in one place that was, that was a karaoke bar that did karaoke seven nights a week. I was like, oh my god, I can, I'd have to kill myself. <laughs> like I can't, I can't work. I had to work. I had to work in the outside bar. I couldn't work at the karaoke bar. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll end up in the. I'll, my head will be in the oven by the end of the night. <laughs> um, but. My here's my opinion on it. You're a, you're the a bartender. You set the bartender sets the mood for the bar. Yeah. The bartender's personality sets the mood for who who comes in there. Uh, you're you also set the mood for the bar. You set the the music sets the mood. Like when I work, I have a ton of songs that I have downloaded onto my phone, and I'll just pick. I'll hit shuffle, and then just pick out the songs that don't fit the time. Like. You know, I don't want to hear Ace of Spades at twelve thirty in the afternoon on Tuesday. Sure. You know, I like Motorhead. I love Lemmy, but you know, there's there's a certain time and place for for, for it, and that's not it. Um, but you like, and your clientele starts to gravitate toward the music as well. They come in, they appreciate. You know, I have a lot of people that sit across, but this this is your music, isn't it? Because we have different bartenders play different shit. Yeah. Like this is your music, isn't it? I was like, yeah, like, we can tell because the music's a whole lot better. Yeah. You know, so whatever, but. Now, if I have a jukebox in there and here comes Polly Prissy Pants, who just broke up with her boyfriend 20 minutes ago, and she wants to play Black by Pearl Jam 47 times in yes, a row. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> now, or, or, you know, you, you work in, let's say you, you work in a bar where the clientele, you know, all the music is, you know, like Eagles and uh, Credence and Leonard Skinner, you know, kind of like a rockabilly kind of clientele. And then you get a few guys come in and they decide they're going to play Pantera. Yeah. <laughs> and now you now you've pissed off everybody in the bar. Now I, now as a bartender, I either have to sit there and listen to the crap that you that you're playing, and watch everybody go. You know, we're gonna go to one of the bar because you know the, the, I I can't listen to you know what you know, this depressing shit that this person's playing or this god awful music. You know, they they start playing like freaking Katy Perry yeah. or some shit like that. You know, and they start going off, and it's like it's like all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'll be back later. So you you're ruining the atmosphere for the bar. Um. So I, yeah, I hate jukeboxes. I just, I hate them as a rule because now it's, I either have to listen to it or I have to give you your money back, which is going to piss you off. Like, hey, too much, you play my music because your music sucks. And I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> at that point, I might as well just, at that point, I might as well just not have a jukebox. And for the money that comes in on the jukeboxes, by the time you get done paying out all the bandwidth and everything else, I really don't think that it's really all that profitable for the bar. No, jukeboxes aren't profitable. Because, 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 the, because the person that puts that jukebox in, they get money from every possible way. They get money from the, the, from the users. They get money from 
the bar because you got to pay for the Wi-Fi. You have to pay for the bandwidth that that thing downloads. Then you got to pay for this and this and that. And then, oh yeah, by the time here's your here's your five bucks. Yeah. Thank you for the juke. Thanks for letting us keep your jukebox in here. <laughs> so, they're, yeah, I just I despise them. So, uh, I, I don't think that they belong in they belong in a bar because, like I said, they they just they one person come in and change the entire personality of the bar just by what they're playing. Yeah, I've it's happened to me dozens of times before where we're having a great time. The music's pumping, and you know everybody's in a great mood. Then all of a sudden, somebody decides that they really want to hear "Everybody Hurts" by REM, and then everybody uh-huh. wants to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to find a razor blade in the hot bath at that point. It's like you know what. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for thanks for shitting all over. Thanks for shitting all over the mood of my night. Yeah, exactly. But uh, now, because of jukeboxes, uh, the it seemed like uh, well, I used to like the song "Freebird" by Skinner, uh, but because of a jukebox, I absolutely hate that song now. It got way overplayed. It seemed like it got played every fifteen minutes. Do, uh, do you have a song? Uh, right up. It's right. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, don't stop believing by journey. Oh, I, I guarantee you there isn't a bar. T- there isn't a bartender on this planet that works in a bar with a jukebox that doesn't hate that song <laughs> because on Friday, on Friday night, 17 times, you'll have some 21 year old girl. This song is my song. And then they put it on and it's like, Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, you know what? I liked it. And then it was at the end of the Sopranos. And then all of a sudden everybody had to play it. Yes. And Right after the, so, they heard it yeah, at the end of the Sopranos. Have to everybody say said, that one is. They played it at the end of Sopranos. It goes black. Everybody says, what the fuck? And then they have to listen to the song all the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was one of those people who was watching the end of the Sopranos and all of a sudden it went black. And I went, you got to be fucking kidding me because I thought my DVR stopped. Yeah. And then I realized I was, that, then I realized it was just the end of the show. And I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. That uh that was probably in the top five most disappointing season finale or series finales of all time. <laughs> or at least or at least or at least confusing finales of all time. Like what the what what the shit? Did it just end? Yeah. The the director just all of a sudden, yeah, there's a good place to end it. <laughs> I'm at, I I liked it better than the end of Seinfeld, where they just go to jail for a year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but or whatever. But uh you know, something I, I used to think when people were complaining about the end of the Sopranos, I used to think they were trying to segue into a movie possibly, but then unfortunately, uh, what's his name? Tony Soprano, uh, James Gandolfini. Yeah. Gandolfini died. Yeah. He died. So that idea probably went out the window. So (laughs) yeah, I would think, but so, um, let's talk about fraternal order of bartenders for a second. When did you start that? I started, well, I started it back in 2013 and I, the reason I started it, uh, I don't know why, actually. Um, back in 2000, I made some T-shirts up that were Fraternal Order of Bartenders to protect and overserve, and I had just basically taken a Fraternal Order of Police logo and just kind of swapped out things, like instead of you know put a, a martini glass over here and a beer mug over here. Sure. And it was just it was it, it was it was it was a novel it was a novelty it was a, it was a gag T-shirt. Yeah. So and I sold them to a bunch of bartenders in Scottsdale and. And I had a whole bunch left over and I think I gave them away when I moved to New York. I was like, here, do me a favor. Just give these to people. I don't even want to, I don't want to move them. I don't want to deal with them anymore. And so in the move back here, moved away, moved back again. And I was walking my dogs one night and I happened to have one of the old fraternal order bartender shirts on. And this guy sees it. He's like, 
He's like, hey, that's pretty good. The Fraternal Order of Bartenders. He used to start a Facebook group like that. And I was like, why the hell would I want to do that? <laughs> like, I don't want to start a... I don't want to start a goddamn Facebook group. He's like, he's like oh, it'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll be cool. You get all the bartenders. And then like he said it a couple of the times, I was like, all right, fine, fuck it. I'll do it. I was like, what's the worst that happened? So I started it. And I remember adding all my bartender friends in it. And I think it ended up being, there were like 112 people in it for about a year and a half. And it didn't do anything. I actually kind of forgot about it. Like we get a notification every once in a while. Somebody made a post in Fraternal Order of Bartenders or yeah. Somebody requested to join fraternal order of bartenders. I get like one of those every three weeks. So I was like, ah, who cares? And then one day I got, uh, f- five people requested to join fraternal order of bartenders. So I was like, holy shit, five people in one day. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it, then it, it got busier and busier. And I think there was one day there were 700 people requested to join the group. It just exploded. And that's when I had to kind of go, Oh <laughs> yeah. It just like from out of nowhere, I don't know how it happened. It just like, one day was nothing, and then like the next day it was going crazy. And yeah, they were like it was, and I would just like approve everybody. I was like, I don't have time to go through this. I'm, and then when it, when it was the seven hundred day, I was like, all right, I got to put the I got to put the, the brakes on this somehow. I was like, I got to keep some kind of integrity to this, otherwise it's just going to be like any other Facebook group. It'll just be called bartenders, right? So I tried to as much as I can without either being a complete dick about it or completely anal or whatever, trying to keep it just bartenders. It's a closed group. You have to, you have to apply to get in the group, which and I was questions that pop up. I like, are you a bartender? Yeah. No, really? Are you a bartender? And where? Yeah. They're really, they're, they're three very difficult questions. Yeah. You'd be surprised. I <laughs> mean, people don't answer them. I, I, and it's like, a, it's like a thousand people a month join, try to join the group and didn't answer the questions. Really? And they pop up. It's like, you have to go out of your way to not answer them. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so it was like about a year and a half where it didn't do anything and then it blew up. And then, so then I, once, once it was like, uh, about 2000 or 3000 people is when I started to go, okay, I need to kind of get this a little under control before, because I was just getting, it was, it, you get random people that were just in there. They, cause they thought it was cool to be in a bartender group. They wanted to see drinks or they wanted to hear stories or they would just, you know, wanted to tell bartenders that they didn't deserve to get tipped or something like that. Yeah. So I try to keep it. So I, I try to make sure that everybody that's getting in now is a bartender, or at least says that they're a bartender. They could be lying to me. I wouldn't know. Right. Um, and eventually figure those people get weeded out. But it is, I, it's one of the biggest service industry groups on Facebook. Well, congratulations. I know servers. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, I think servers, bartenders, and all restaurant staff unite or whatever. The, I can't remember the exact name of that group, but that's got like a hundred and something thousand people in it. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's almost 66,000 people in the group now. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little unmanageable. Sometimes you do get a certain, you, you do get some trolls in the group that just like, you know, pissing at people's curios for the hell of it. And we kick them out whenever we find them. Right. Like to keep it somewhat civil. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first person to give somebody, uh, you know, some good natured shit about something that they said, but, you know, just sit there and tell somebody, you know, oh, your drink looks like shit or, you know, or, I, you get people that go on their other people's personal Facebook page and start talking about their kids and shit. Like well, you, you really, you, you really need some help. Yeah. You need, like, you really need to, you really, you really need to, to, to get to, to figure out where you're, what you want to do in life because you're just pathetic. Yeah. That's so we, we, we try to keep, we try to keep them out as much as possible. Cause that's one of the problems with a lot of Facebook groups or a lot, the internet in general is that you get those trolls. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that, that happens way too much. And, you know, I'm sure that takes up quite a bit of your day to moderate that sort of thing. Well, I got, I've, I've got, I've got 12 people who 
for some reason actually want to do it because they're masochistic or whatever, <laughs> but they, 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 they actually, they actually wanted, like they messaged me saying, I want to be a moderator in the group. And I was like, okay. And I did it by myself for a few years Yeah. and fine. And I had, and I had, I had a couple of people help me at one point and then I got, I, they weren't doing what I wanted them to do. I got rid of them. I was like, screw it. I'm doing it by myself. And then I think about a year and a half, two years ago was when I finally said, that's it. I'm getting moderators because I can't do this by myself. It was like I had 500 pending posts that I had to go through because I, I don't, I don't let anybody just post anything in the group because otherwise you'd see 47 different things about the angel, the angel shot every day. Yeah. And I, a couple of them were like, you did this by yourself. I can't, I, I was like, I know there's 12 of you and you, and, and, and we, and you guys still go crazy with it. Imagine if it was just me. Yeah. They're like, they were like, are you the only person? I was like, no, I would kill myself by now. Now, um, <laughs> a friend of mine actually, who's, uh, who's a bartender, uh, asked me to join the group and, uh, that's how I found out about you guys a little, almost a year ago, I think. And, uh, I've been enjoying looking at other people's stories, uh, you know, hearing about other people's problems or even celebrating other people's, uh, enormous tips, uh, especially during the Christmas season. That was awesome. But, oh yeah. Um, I'm also the proud owner of, uh, uh fraternal order of bartenders challenge coin. And I got, uh-huh. the, yeah, I got, I got mine like two weeks ago. So <laughs> you're one of the lucky ones. Cause, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for, I got 500 on order and I'm waiting for them to show up, you know, as soon as China decides to, you know, stop screwing around. Yeah. I because basically the entire, I, I didn't realize, you know, how, I mean, you hear about it on the news and you think, okay, well, the media is blowing it out of proportion, but then, you know, you, you try to order something, you find out that the entire country is basically quarantined and nobody's working. And this, and it's like, Jesus, as I was supposed to have challenge coins shipped out today and I, they're, they're going to be shipped out maybe in two weeks. Well, hopefully they come out. This, so, uh, it seems like, uh, all your followers just love those things. And I, yeah, I, my, uh, I love I mine. Know. It's awesome. But, I know. I wish, I wish I thought of it sooner. <laughs> um like i it was like i i i had like 150 of them and i put them up for sale and i woke up the next morning they were gone oh that's awesome and plus like plus like 40 more i was like oh son of a bitch i gotta order more of these things <laughs> <laughs> see um so as a to help advertise my podcast i walk around with uh hey bartender podcast poker chips in my pocket and they're uh they're what i thought was the cheaper version of a challenge coin just do a poker chip instead of an actual coin one side says you're buying the other side says i'm buying you know simple i think challenge coins are just all of a sudden uh they're they become a huge thing i i really didn't hear much about them for uh up until maybe one or two years ago and well i mean it's a it's it's traditionally a traditionally a military thing so yeah but a lot of like a, a lot of like uh I'm trying to think of the word. It's not coming to me right now, but a lot of private groups will use, they have challenge coins. They'll get them out for like, you know, awards or something like that. This one I got basically so people could just like identify each other, like in the bar. Right. Like, you, know, you put your coin down, you know, if, if the bartender sees it, he knows that you're in the group also or something like that. Which, um, which does happen because uh, I had a guest on my show early this earlier this year who was uh, having uh, cancer surgery and she, after she had her surgery, she walked into her bar and all of a sudden there was a whole bunch of people saying that they were fraternal order of bartenders who specifically came in to visit her. So there is huge support in this group. And that 
Yes, there that's is. And that's incredibly and, and, and awesome. And that's, I, and that's, yeah, and that's something that a lot of people kind of lose sight of, I think, with this group, because it, it, number one, it is, it's 66,000 people. It's, it's basically the crowd at a football game. Right. And yeah, you're going to have some, you're going to have some assholes in it. And I'll get people that are like, I'm leaving the group. You know, there's nothing but assholes in here. You know, everybody was bashing me on my post and you look and there were like four people that, you know, gave him shit about something, mm. which, you know, I deal with the four people. But then at the same time I go, all right, let me get this straight. You're leaving a group of 66,000 bartenders because of four people. Right. I was like, that's like you walking into a football game and getting pissed off because the guys in section 213, row 29, seats one through four, <laughs> were yelling obscenities. <laughs> so because those four, because those four people in the football stadium, you're going to leave the game and you're never going to watch football again. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, you guys really need to put this in perspective. I get the people are assholes, but at the same time, it's a very small percentage of the group. And 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 again, like I said, we try to kick, we try to kick them out whenever possible. You get people. I tell people that this group could be whatever you want it to be. It's, it could be a place where you find friends. It could be a place where you just vent. It could be a place where you can be an asshole right. sometimes it's in, in, in the right way. It's however you want to do it. And I was like, if all you see is people being negative, that's, I think on you because you, that's that kind of says we're something where you are as a person. And if all you see is negative, well go because it's probably just as negative as them. Right. <clears throat> yeah i uh it, yeah and, it, and it's it, and it, but it is i mean I, people find jobs they, they people have bought bars through the group they've got married because they met somebody on the group so wow i mean it's it it, it 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 has impacted people's lives in a positive as well as in a negative fashion but always try to accentuate the positive and you know the negative is going to happen but right but um that's awesome that you were able to you were able to start a Facebook group that to bring all these people together and show that each other support and you know joke around vent and uh, that's that's just really cool. And there are other, I mean, and, and there's actually another fraternal. There's, there, if you look, if you go search fraternal order of bartenders on Facebook, there are two groups. Yes, mine started second. Uh-huh. I had I had the T-shirt first, but. The other guy had the fraternal order of bartenders group first. When I start, when I went to start it, there was like that name's already taken. I was like, oh shit. So, but I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to call it that anyway because, like I said, I had the I had the shirt back back in 2000. So I was going to use that as my uh, my excuse. Yeah. But like now, this group, like I said, this group's got 66,000, and the other one's got like four. So you're doing well. <laughs> I have, I, yeah, I get I, I I get more members in three months than he's had in the the 13 years that the group has been in existence. Yes. So I was like, somebody, I was like, somebody did something right and somebody, you know, didn't, but, and I think a lot of it is a lot of it is my personality because people grab bartenders gravitate toward that. Right. Because I'm just kind of like, go fuck yourself. I don't care. (laughs) I will speak my mind. I don't sugarcoat things. If somebody, if I don't like somebody, I tell them I don't like them. Um, and I think a lot of the bartenders in the group, are in the group partially because of that. Yeah. There were a couple of times I was like, screw this. I'm leaving this group. I've, I've fucking had it with, you know, dealing with this shit all the time. And I had like 20 people go, if you leave, the group's going to die and we're going to leave. Right. I was like, all right, fine. I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> and you're able I'll stay, to I'll stay, I'll stay, I'll stay. Uh, and you're able to, uh, still be able to run it and, uh, do a little bit of marketing at the same time that, uh, that is also very cool. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much most of my spare time. If I'm not working, I'm 
either going through member requests or going through posts or you know something along the so, something else that has to do with the group moderating it some way talking to the moderators about some other you know something else mm-hmm. so it does it, it it does it does take up a certain part a certain amount of my time sure uh there, there's a lot more that i'd like to do with it than i have uh i would like to get it off of facebook i would like to get it to be its own entity yeah. uh I'm not really that big of a fan of Facebook as a platform. I could do a lot more. I could, I could do a lot more with it if it was by itself. That requires me hiring a, either hiring a web designer or going back and relearning how to do web design. Yeah. Which would probably be the better idea for me because that way I can just screw with it whenever I want. Sure. Change, change but, things up. Um, and, or Exactly. I could add, add, add things i wanted to put a form in there i wanted to put something that was because we do anonymous posts if somebody wants to post something and they and they know that their boss is in the group or you know the bartenders in the group that they work with and they don't want to post something under their name they send it to me or they send it to one of the other moderators we cut and paste it and then post it ourselves and we just say hey it's an anonymous post right i mean as long as you're not completely stupid about the way you write it and make it so that even anybody could figure out that it's you um, you're usually, you, it gives people plausible deniability, it gives people a chance to be a little bit more open in the group than they normally would be because it is Facebook and you can get, you, you know, some assholes send a screenshot of something you say to your boss. The next thing you know, you got a phone call. Right. Anonymous. Oh posts. yeah. Oh, and then, uh, and then one of the moderators, or actually I, I made him an admin. Uh, his name is Bobby Anderson. He's a flair bartender. He wanted to start, he wants to do, uh, a YouTube channel, ah. FOB TV. So we're like, you know, kind of like, a, you know, Anthony Bourdain, you know, you go to different, you, you go to different places, interview bartenders, you know, and then, you know, ask questions. We, we had a, a format, we're working out the format right now, but it's like, you have all these different things, all these different things that I want to do. Um, and it's just trying to find the time. Exactly. It's like, I remember there used to be seven days in a week and there are 24 hours in a day. And there were times, there were days where I had nothing to do. I don't have those days anymore. <laughs> <'Cause I'm, laughs> yeah. And the, it's like, I just, I, it's like the, the merchandise order for uh, shirts and everything else. I just had that delivered yesterday. So I, I spent all day sorting that out. And that was like, that was my entire day was just sorting shirts and packing them up and shipping them out. And I didn't even get anywhere near done, but that's, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And usually people are pretty, uh, well, most of the time, uh, pretty calm about waiting for their order anyway. So usually sometimes they're yeah. a little impatient. I mean, you get but... people that are like, you know, I placed an order back in December and I look, it's like, no, you placed it two weeks ago. <laughs> I'm looking at your invoice right now. Yeah. And I know. And I, and, and it's like, I post cause I, I tell everybody, it was like, I don't, you know, I wish I had the, I wish I had the kind of money where I could have, you know, a few hundred shirts lying around my house. I wouldn't, you know, when you wanted, this specific hoodie, I just pull it off the shelf and throw it in an envelope and give it to you. But I don't. So what I would do is I would do pre-orders. Right. And I would tell everybody, okay, you got, you got, you got a week. You got, you got, you got, you got whatever size color is on there. And then I'll, I take the order and I go get it made. And then when I get, when, when the order comes in, I ship them all out. And that's when I collect my money is because square holds it until then. Right. So I, and, and when I have a $7,000 pre-order, because I have 400 shirts that, that I ordered this time. And I, I tell everybody, they take two weeks. And for, it, 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 the order has to get to the printer, has to be finalized. It's usually about two to three weeks from there. And I get people four days later going, where's my shirt? <laughs> it's like it's being made. Yeah. 
like obviously you didn't read obviously you didn't read the post <laughs> where it said this is a pre-order and and I and I had it in bold and I had it italicized so that it would catch your eye and obviously you didn't read that far. So yeah. oh I should have read the post. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should have. <laughs> exactly. Well anyway, it, uh But yes, there are there, there are there are there is more that I want to do with this group than what I have done. It's just finding the time and finding the energy and finding someone to help do it. Well uh but, Anyway, I greatly appreciate the uh, Fraternal Order Bartenders. Like I said, it's helped out my podcast more than once, uh, just jogging my memory of uh, past experiences and all that sort of thing. And it's great listening uh, to other bartenders tell stories, hence why I kind of started this uh, started this show. But um, absolutely. But we're going to wrap this up here. So, uh, uh, Kenny, is there uh, anything that you'd like to uh, do you want to promote yourself, promote your bar? You want to tell people how to uh how to find you on Facebook or anything like that? Uh, well, the group is Fraternal Order of Bartenders. It's the one with the really cool logo. Um, uh, my name is Kenny Stewart on Facebook. If you look and you see a pro- you see an elk in the profile, that's me. Right. Because I really don't like putting pictures of myself up. Um, Carlsbad Tavern is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, 3313 North Hayden Road. Come on in. I'm off Tuesdays and Wednesdays as of right now. <laughs> but if you come in anytime, it doesn't matter. You're It'll be, it's, it's almost like having me there. Right. It's a pretty low key place. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show and, uh, you know, keep up the good work with the fraternal order of bartenders. Thank you very much, sir. I'll do my damnedest. Okay. People after a quick break, we are going to go to our musical guests. So stay tuned. Just want to remind you guys if you want to get your hands on any Hey Bartender podcast merchandise, head over to HeyBartenderPodcast.com and you can find my blog. You can find some drink recipes and pick yourself up a t shirt. Help support the show by buying yourself a Hey Bartender podcast t shirt today. Next up, our musical guest for the show comes from San Francisco, California, on, from their album Big Night. Everything for the first time. This is the Richmond Sluts with Doing All Right. Sometimes it's hard to get some rest Cause when you're flying high You're coming down from 
Once again, that was Richmond Sluts with their single, Doing All Right. If you want to find out more about them, you can uh, contact them through Facebook, watch their videos on YouTube, or go through their record company, RockBoxRecordsSSF.com. They hail from San Francisco, so you can uh, bet you can find a good show of them playing somewhere around there. So go check them out. But that is the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is last call. And if you don't walk up to the bar, you ain't getting shit. So I'd like to extend a great thanks to Kenny, the owner of Fraternal Order of Bartenders, for being on my show. It was really exciting to get to, get to talk to him. Uh, I'd like to thank the Rich, uh, Richmond Sluts for uh, being my musical guest. Remember to go check out their uh, music on Bandcamp.com or where else, wherever else you can find them on any kind of streaming media. And of course, I got to thank Laura Hope and the Arctones for giving me the theme song for my podcast, Doctor Bartender. Uh, that song just rocks. Uh, go check them out. They've got tons of music out there too. And of course, I got to thank you, the listener. Without you listeners, I would be just some weirdo talking into a microphone, pretty much like every other podcast out there. So, as usual, end off the show. I just want to wish you all lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night.